So the question we have for today, does life reflect art or does art reflect life? Comment below, let us know your opinion. Also today's guests include Andy Rome and Tanner June. Also, we have timestamps in the description below, as always, be sure to check them out. Cool, so kind of like a preface for today's discussion. Um, I was, I had this question sort of for a little while, does art reflect life or does life reflect art? And I felt it was very relevant given some of the articles that I've been reading recently. And then also what's transpired recently within hip hop with like the recent deaths of a lot of uh, rappers due to either being shot, murdered or through, um, through drugs. And so one common criticism of hip hop culture and rap music by detractors such as Bill O'Reilly is that it's a negative influence on the youth of the subject matter and the, the material that it contains. I don't lend too much credence to it myself, but I do want to expand that question to an in-depth analysis that expands across mediums and potentially into other forms of music as well. So um, are we the way we are because of the media and content that we ingest, absorb, listen to, take in, or is it the inverse of that essentially? You never cease to amaze because the fact that you started the conversation off with a Bill O'Reilly references, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one that feels some type of way about it, but it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> like I was just doing a recap of uh, going back and looking at his interactions with certain rappers, like how he got ludicrous out of his Pepsi deal. Yeah. Ridiculous. How do you feel about Bill O'Reilly, Jasmine? You seem like you feel pretty strongly about him. It's not that I feel strongly. It's just like it's more or less like a like a kudos slash you know being a little bit facetious to Brian because he never ceases to amaze like who he brings as a reference to the conversation. Like I would have never thought you know we'd be talking about Bill O'Reilly when it, when it comes to the conversation <laughs> we're gonna have, but you know he never never ceases to amaze. Like to and to answer your question, I can't really give you like a formidable um, like opinion of him just because I haven't haven't necessarily seen a lot of his reactions with the, with, you know, with rappers or be, artists per se. To be clear, um, I guess the Bill O'Reilly was a tie-in that I thought of after the fact, because he's, he's somebody who I guess represents that, that narrative or that viewpoint of hip hop culture and rap music. But I saw an Ice Cube interview recently. I saw it a while ago, then I saw it again. It was a interview he had done with, I think Barbara Nevins of CNBC back in the 90s and so one of the questions that was asked to him by a fan and then Nevins herself she had asked how would you feel if someone heard your music and took it literally from the caller uh, that's what the guy asked it was a uh, he, he described himself as a, a black guy who was in college he was educated and he was asking Ice Cube how he would feel in that scenario then Nevins herself she asked the question and I feel like that interview in itself was a masterclass by Ice Cube of how to explain hip-hop culture to people who are uneducated about it and then I guess disarm some of the detractions from it. And uh, so I thought about some of the some of those detractors that people commonly pick with hip hop music. So the violence, misogyny, drug usage. And uh, I thought also about R&B music too. So I think one of the most prominent ones that I, that I probably wanna talk about would be the drug usage, given what we just said. Um, it seems as if there's been a, a shift from glorifying the drug dealer and it's uh, the acquisition of financial prosperity to being more centered around the drug user itself. Like if you compare the subject matter of Jay-Z, for example, or Biggie to someone like Future or Travis Scott, like 
the subject matter that they rap about and the way that they relate to the drugs is totally different. And I came across this article by uh, Dr. Calvin John Smiley. It was brilliant. I'm going to add this to the, the description so people can check it out if they want to. But it's called Addict Rap, and it talks about the relationship between drugs and rap music and how it's evolved over time. And I thought he made a, he made a number of brilliant points. And one of the, the best parts of it is when he started off, he made it very clear for people who were uninformed about hip hop music and coming in as outside perspective, uh, looking in, was that what he's addressing is a subset of the genre. It's not speaking for the totality of hip hop music because that's they're not synonymous. You can't say that drug music is hip hop. It's not. It's a part of it. And so that that's something that those people like Bill O'Reilly, for example, and uh, I guess other people who who have a similar mindset, they'll they're quick to lump everything together and then say that hip hop is this negative uh, negative they wouldn't even call it an art form, but just this negative portrayal of what people feel. Before you before you go on, do you feel hip hop is you don't feel hip hop is negatively affecting the youth to do these acts such as such as sell drugs, take drugs, commit violence? You don't believe that? That's what I kind of wanted to talk about. Um I broke it into those to those categories and I wanted to go through and address them. And some of them, like the one about drug usage in particular, I feel like there's a bit more of a discussion to be had about that one because it's not as clear to me, it appears. Um, Cause it's, this is essentially a new, a new take, new age spin on the, the chicken versus the egg argument. Like which came first? Is it, are we talking about the violence because it, um, are we rapping and, and speaking about the violence in our songs because that's what we're living? Or is that something that's a consequence of our art form, you know? And for the violence, for example, I don't think that's the case because violence has been around since the, since the dawn of man, since man has existed. And then, like, if you think about the misogyny, I mean, let's go back to ancient Greece, for example. The ancient Greeks, they had they were had plays in their theaters, and they wouldn't even allow women to portray women on the plays. They had men play those roles. So I think that argument is completely invalid. It's not saying that hip hop is led directly to the the inception of misogyny. That's that's not a thing. I don't feel like it is. And then well, on the subject of uh, Greek culture, I feel like. In Greek mythology, anyone who who's read any of that through school or just took a brief interest in it, you can pretty much know for a fact that the gods, the gods and goddesses themselves, they were portrayed as not only noble and had admirable characteristics, but they're also very angry, jealous, and had had a lot of negative traits too. And so that those were kind of descriptors of human nature. And I feel like mythology itself was used as a way to illustrate phenomenon that we experienced ourselves, but we didn't have thorough explanations for at the time. So as far as violence and misogyny, I don't think that, uh, well, to make my sense more clear on that, I think in terms of those two, at least, that they are a reflection of how we are and our thoughts. Because like with the example that I said about the woman not being able to portray women inside the Greek plays, that was a direct influence and direct result of the inequality that they felt at that time about the men who didn't want women to have, to be seen that light. They didn't want them to have that much power. So as a, as a result, the art form was directly influenced. And uh, with the drugs, that's one that I kind of wasn't able to come to a solid consensus about. And I wanted to kind of have more of a conversation with you guys to see if we could kind of make sense of it. Because I do understand that some musicians may have problems like, like the normal people like us. So they could have drug problems prior to them going into something or they have probably existing mental health conditions. And then once they get into um, financial success, then 
they essentially it becomes an accelerant. They have the means by which to get drugs and do things. And it's, it's almost like that's the worst thing that could possibly happen for them. So what are your, what are your guys' thoughts on specifically, um, well, anything that I really just said about those, those three different subsets of the criticisms of hip hop music, or uh, if you wanna just focus on the drugs in particular. I feel like with hip hop music, um, I agree with you that violence and misogyny is not created by hip hop music. It's been there long before hip hop music existed. Um, hip hop music was created from the pain of people, you know? Uh, so like at first it was just kind of like people expressing their thoughts about what was going on in New York. And then it became like, it was like party music, you know, and then it became like more conscientious as like, um, as like drugs filled the street and as police brutality, brutality rose. And um, I think now it's kind of becoming like, it's kind of like looping back around, you know, it, it feels like now, like the, it, where nineties music was about like the drug dealers, it feels like now it's about the rappers being drug users as well as drug dealers because like the drugs they're selling are party drugs. So it's like, yeah, they sell it, but they do it too. Um, so I, I don't think that they're like influencing people to do it because it's already a party drug. Yeah, like, and a lot of people talk about, like even there's even people who make music about stuff that they have done, not things that they are currently doing. Yeah. You know? And I think that goes for a lot of art too. Like people make stuff inspired by things that have happened, not just not always stuff that's like currently happening, you know, like, like even people who like, who paint or like who make music or who draw or whatever like a lot of the time you are inspired by stuff that has already happened to you you know it doesn't have to be ongoing like especially something like addiction or like drug using or whatever like that will always affect your life whether it's currently happening or whether it's not happening anymore you know yeah like jay-z and like 50 cent they're not like out here trapping <laughs> like you know what i mean they're like whole fathers and <laughs> businessmen you know what i mean like what is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. What if what if the problem is the violence is being glorified by hip hop culture? Like they're making it look cool. I don't like think like yeah. You say Jay Z's. Of course, Jay Z's not rapping about that now. He's actually is rapping about being a father. Like his last actual album, Four Four Four, was actually about him cheating on his wife and actually him being a wife and everything. Him being a husband and everything like that. So yes, and then Fifty Cent doesn't rap because he couldn't stop rapping like that. But um, oh, yeah. I just wanted to ask how much of that is actually them saying that hip-hop uh, glorifies violence not necessarily that it started it i mean i think like hip-hop states like like they they show the world from i guess like a minority point of view like as as we experience it like the pain the drugs the violence like as we experience it it just so happens that a lot of the artists that get popular are from the worst parts of america so like the drugs and the violence is like kind of at the forefront it seems like it's along with the pain but the pain isn't flashy you know what i mean the drugs the guns the violence the sex like that's like flashy that's what people focus on too, the artist himself is not trying to glorify it they're just saying it and i think how however people interpret it and you know take it is kind of what might lead to like people glorifying things yeah. like violence and drug use and stuff like that i mean drug use is another thing because like people will glorify that you know and be like it's cool to do this and that or whatever but i think 
a lot of the time violence i feel like you don't think violence is glorified i mean like i think like Hollywood yeah and then hold on Jack, to your point too about the the glorification, like with certain films, certain artists definitely do glorify the uses of drugs. Yeah, Some yeah. artists do. I, I definitely say catch him with a Uzi, pop tent, some shit like that. I definitely say that <laughs> in the most <laughs> conscientious way. But yeah, I'm just what I'm saying. Like you don't feel like they glorify it at all because I definitely feel it's definitely glorified to some to some degree. I definitely feel. But I, I feel like well, it's glorified because it's like a party drug. You know, you said more violence. Oh, the the violence. Yeah. I feel like the violence gets glorified in some ways. I don't think that they make music about violence because it's like cool to do. I think that they like start off making it from like a personal perspective, and then it becomes like what they're known for their career, and then they just continue making it. You know, like that's what pays the bills at that point. You know, so like it's it's easy for somebody like like Drake to never rap about like drugs or violence because he didn't he's Drake. <laughs> he's Drake like he didn't blow up off of like talking about like shopping in the street and like you know like moving drugs or you know like slinging like you know or whatever like it's, like it's easier for somebody like Lil Uzi or 21 Savage to talk about that because that's what they blew off of like blew up off of like their music was like when they first came up like when you first heard them like it was about guns like party drugs like selling drugs like violence, like women. So now, even though they're not doing that anymore, it's what they're known for. It's like the music that people expect to listen to from them. Or it's like if you if you look at hip hop as a actual profession, like you would a sport, you're expecting certain things from the the member on your team. You're expecting them to put up certain numbers. You're expecting them to to like do certain things on your team. So you're expecting these artists to sell a certain amount. You're expecting certain content from them. That's why you're listening to certain artists because you, you it's like, it's it's predictable. You know what you're gonna get when you listen to a 21. You know what you're gonna get when you listen to a future. You know what you're gonna get when you listen to a Kendrick. Like, and also you, you want that from them as well. Like a part of you, like, even though you feel like, like, oh, it's bad. Like a part of you like still wants to turn up to that music because, it's what I think you that's want. The best part of the question, though, is like, is is that the artist's responsibility? You know, like, no. you know, do you know what I mean? But I think some people think that it is. I mean, I don't. I don't. Think I don't so. think that I necessarily do, but I think some people definitely, especially like those crazy ass like conservative. Sorry, can I cuss on here? I forgot. Okay. Do what you want. <laughs> Those like crazy like conservative people who you remember when even like even like just like fun like ass shaking songs like WAP remember when WAP came out and all those crazy conservative people were like yeah, they're gonna ruin our children's minds and WAP this and WAP that you know what I'm saying that's like, not about the artist though like if I don't think it is either but I'm saying some people, some people do think that is yeah. what I'm saying like some people do think that it's the artist's responsibility on like how they influence like the culture and children and the next generation and whatever. Going back to Ice Cube, something that Ice Cube said when um when he was first getting popular and they had to and like they had to put parental advisories on everything. Um like I remember that he mentioned that it's not the artist's responsibility to censor the music. It's the parents' responsibility to censor the content and the media that their children's consuming. If you're an adult then your actions and the media that you consume, you're responsible for that. Like you, like nobody's to blame for that. Now, if you're a kid, like you're more, 
likely to be influenced by somebody that that you may respect or aspire to be like but at the same time like the artist isn't responsible for the message that 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 child is receiving because the artist isn't making music for like a 12 year old or a 13 year old, a 12 or 13 year old's gonna go out of his way to listen right. to that music because it's the cool thing to listen to. Like a 12 year old or a 13 year old's gonna go out their way to sneak into a rated R movie because it's the cool movie to watch. But it kind of, it, it kind of seems like you're saying, it kind of, it kind of seems like you're saying that um, role models aren't responsible for what, basically what they, how they come off as, influences that's kind of what it makes it seem like you're, you're saying right there when i don't necessarily agree i don't with that. I you, think you could um, what are you saying you could make that um you could draw that from that but that's not what i got from it because okay. in, in these examples um not everyone says that to be a role model either that's something okay. that you know you, you can't really impose on other people but for someone who, who does set up to be a role model and they want to be the example for those young kids, okay, yeah, they should be more mindful of it because that's the audience that they're trying to cater to. But, like, aren't but, those, but aren't the, isn't that those rappers, though? Or don't they kind of set out to be those role models? Or inexplicably those role models? Uh, or do you think on Travis accident, really? Role model? I can't hear you. Say that again? Yeah, young boys. Do you think Travis Scott wants to be a role model? Do you think that do you, does he think, wants to be a role model? Does, do I think they want to be a role model? I think they are a role model by default. Because what they because of what they do. No, I'm asking. Do do, you, do they want to be role models? Oh, do they want to they be? I, I don't. I have no idea. I doubt it. Maybe Soldier Boy. No, Travis Scott. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> he has shoes, so who knows? <laughs> like I think certain rappers, like like a Chance the Rapper, who sets out to be a role model, who wants to be like like a face of the community, then like yeah, clean up your image, like you know, like do things for the community, like give a good message to people. Like that's that's what you that's what you say you do. That's what you like say you want to do. So do it. But if you're like a NBA young boy, or if you're like a Gunna or a Young Thug or Twenty One Savage, like you're like I'm, although they may donate to charity if they want to, or they may like donate to schools. You're like getting going and performing at like I don't know like some camp or yeah, boys and girl clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's that's like stuff that like you would expect from like a Jay Z or a Chance or a P Diddy or you know like maybe even a Meek Mill you know like but so I mean like, I can Drake. get I can like, definitely yeah, see Drake doing like a clean kids concert or some shit like that yeah so if you like want like Meek Mill to like you know like be more of a role model I get that because like he's kind of in that <laughs> role but if you want an artist who like ha- you you don't expect that from them I don't think you should you should like put them in that light for them to do those things. It's kind of like pushing like another image on them that they're not. I'm glad actually you mentioned India young boy. Cause recently there was a video he had done. I think he was IG live or something. And he said in order to, so this is kind of like addressing the violence point that Josh made earlier. Um, he said, in order for you to, it takes a real man to kill another man. And so, having that mindset that mentality you're making music that perpetuates that because that's what that's how you feel and you're like we said art before is a reflection of as a depiction of how you feel your experiences and so what are your thoughts on that i don't know i mean that's a hard question to answer because i feel like 
for him and his life and his experiences like that's relevant you know like to him and his life but I don't know that he should be held responsible for if like somebody hears that and is like okay yeah now I believe that because I like him so now I believe like you know like if I want to be like real I should be able to kill somebody you know what I'm saying like yeah. like I don't know that that he should be held responsible for that because if I'm thinking like from the perspective like I don't make music like I'm a like a, a traditional artist like I paint and stuff like that so I'm thinking like if I paint something that has like some kind of violent imagery or if I paint something like something with like nude people on it or something like that and somebody takes that and interprets it a certain way and wants to take that as their own belief or their own whatever like that has nothing to do with me you know like I think that's different from actually rapping and actually talking about killing another human being that's true you know what I mean mean? instead of like just interpreting like I because yeah because I mean I'm sorry keep going keep going like it's definitely wild to say that like it takes a real person to kill another person or whatever he said like but I don't think that he should be held responsible if his fans take that and run with it, you know? Because, like, I don't know, he's just a regular-ass dude at the end of the day. Like, that's just what he would be. You know, regular people say wild shit all the time, so I don't know. I don't think we should take – I mean, obviously, like, us in this group, like, we're all, like, grown adults, and so nobody's going to, like, hear him say that and be like, yeah, you know, that's true. Like, I should go and kill somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, none of us are going to sit here and think that. But, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that – us as a society should hold so much weight to what these are saying because they're just cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think the media only has as much power as you give it. Like and And celebrities too. Yeah, celebrities as well. And if and if like you're consuming a certain That's the thing though, people give them a lot of power. That's but that's um, like you know like that's, that's I think the society as a whole they give them a lot of power. Yeah, and you think about a lot of people, they looked up to Kobe, for example. This is, uh, I think, slightly unrelated, but to illustrate the point of admiration and looking up to individuals, a lot of people who didn't have father figures, for example, they cited him as like their main inspiration, who they looked up to. And like even people who did have their dads in their lives and looked up to him a lot. The point is, a lot of people in our in the black community looked up to Kobe Bryant. Because their dads probably looked up to Kobe Bryant. So like, damn, <laughs> that's my dad, Joe <laughs> So it's like they they have a lot of influence. Yeah, I I agree that they do have a lot of influence. But at the same time, like whatever they do within their personal lives, like that's that's on another person to yeah. Not like they're not they're not holding a gun up to your head. You know what I mean? Like Kobe Bryant got in trouble with his. But Kobe Bryant got in trouble with his with his wife. You know what I mean? Like he's not telling like every guy out here is like like in order to be successful and be a millionaire, you got to do like that's not what he's saying. Like if that's the message you get out of it, then cool. But I mean, like that's like that was just like a hiccup in his life. You know what I mean? Like he's like he's not being held responsible for every guy that then goes out and does something like that. You know? Um, if, facts like if somebody's dad, <laughs> you know, some famous some other famous dude with the wife cheated on his wife and then someone's dad goes and cheats on their wife that has nothing to do with the people who they're yeah. looking up to you know even if you can't be like right. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> right, right. i understand i don't i don't think they should be held responsible but i do think that person should always watch what they're doing because they always have that uh level of influence on basically what they do whether you're a hip-hop star basketball player whatever you do you still have that level of influence so you should always watch 
what you say or what you do because people can't take it out of context because you you're on a higher level of status in society because you've been put in a higher level of status but because of what you do whether it's because you're a basketball player rapper or so forth so that's I, i'm not saying you're directly responsible like oh he killed somebody oh well let's go to uh this rapper over here like no i'm not saying that but just just watch the influence that's, that's all i'm saying you know i feel like i would feel more like if if i was in a light like that all the time i would feel more inclined to watch like my every word like where i go everything like that just because i am like under like this magnifying glass in the public eye especially if you know kids are watching you yeah. but i think that that just has to do with like personal like your own your own personal sense of responsibility in a situation like that and like, your own like privacy imagine, as well imagine someone like fucking like if someone were to say, oh, like, Kodak Black, like, you should really watch what you say, because, like, there's kids watching, he'd be like, I don't give a fuck, like, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but, like, some people would keep that in mind, you know? So I think it's fuzzy, like, depending on the type of celebrity that you're talking about. Like, think about, like, I don't know, like, a mm. guy, like, she, I don't really know anything about her personal life, you know? But, like, everything she does is like, out in the public is, like, classy, like, you know? respected and shit like that but then like i don't know there's people who don't care about that kind of stuff except when she got cheated on by jay-z and then she turned into a classy album no she is she was classy the whole time remember when her sister um beat up jay-z in the elevator i think kodak is actually a good example about the uh the violence point too because there was a breakfast club interview that I saw a snippet of when I was preparing for this episode, and I actually saw what he was saying. You know, once he once he did his first stint in jail, I guess when he after he became famous, once he finished that, he moved to Calabasas because he was saying like what happened with XXX Tentacion, for example. So the people out there killed him. He says he didn't know if they were going to do it to him, for example, but that was a possibility. So that's why he left. And so with people um, with them experiencing violence in the communities and stuff like that, a lot of um, rappers. They like they, they get killed in the series. We spoke about this before, but the idea that the older ones there's a different mentality. I think I was watching a Fat Joe interview. He was he was a podcast, and he was speaking with somebody. He was saying that they looked at rap music differently than the current generation does. They were looking at it as more so a way out of the environment they were living in. But the new age rappers they listen they they gain prominence, they get the money, but they stay in the same environment, and ultimately at least to the demise. Got you. Does I'm not gonna lie, man. I like just listening to uh everything you guys say. I, I came in with the idea that this question was really subjective because you know I was looking at it more from like an abstract standpoint to where I feel like it could be both. I feel like you know the art itself can be a reflection of you know life and then life at the same time can reflect you know, art just based off of who, who the consumer is. And then of course, who's, you know, who the, um, you know, the creator or the artist is, but it's like to tie into what you guys are saying, like, I also feel like you give a society too much benefit of the doubt. Cause like when you guys were thinking about, um, or when you guys was talking about just being role models, like the first thing, only thing I could think of was Charles Barkley. Like, I had that <laughs> he was like, I am not a role model. You guys got to think of how important that was because that was during a time where Michael Jordan was like, that was when Michael Jordan was at the peak of Nike. Like all, all the, all, um, you know, all his success, all his accolades, like everything. And just where the Nike brand was going at the time for Charles Barkley to come out and say something like that. Like I would identify more with that because, you know, 
not everybody is equipped to, you know, bear the burden of being a, a role model. Like that's, that's just the reality of what is. And I feel like, you know, to obtain a certain amount of success and then have to sacrifice yourself to maintain that success based off of society's perception of you is a detriment to what you did to get there. Like, I think we see it so often to where, like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but think about how great artists sound when they were underground. And then when they get the mainstream, you know, contract or whatever, and they have to, you know, meet these uh, points in their contract where the album has to be a certain length, content has to, to, you know, appeal to, you know, the hot 100 or things like that. Then like the sound just is, I'm not gonna say it's distorted, but it's like, it's not true to to the self. So, you know, I I get where you guys are coming from, but I don't, I'm sorry, I get where you're coming from, Josh, but at the same time, like, I just don't think that people should look at, you know, what's being said and then just consuming it as it is. Like, I think we should always take everything that's done with a grain of salt because we're all human beings at the same thing. Like our critical thinking skills have to be just as sharp as the people that's, you know, producing this art. and producing this content like we we have to take what they say and then you know decide if it fits our best interest or if it doesn't because i'll say on the flip side like you know for me should i achieve the uh, amount of success that i envision like i would feel indebted to kind of like pave the way for people who want to do the same thing that i do same way that i'm pretty sure that you know like you guys said meek mill feels indebted to you know pave a way for the people who feel the same type of way about their about his music but at the same time, like, that's his choice. Like, he's made the choice to conform to what, you know, he has to be come to be a benefit to society. Whereas, you know, at the same time, like, 21 Savage, he's a benefit to society, whether you guys want to admit it or not. Or I'm sorry, not whether you guys want to admit it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. But at the same time, like, he is a reflection of his upbringing. He's a reflection of everything that he has, you know essentially gone through in life and I feel like for people to try and filter that is to try and you know mold somebody mold a person or change a person to be a part of a system that truly didn't care about them to begin with because at the same at the end of the day all of this comes back around to the system that we're all a part of like I think it's asinine to to you know slap a role model um, title on to someone just because you know they've reached a certain level of success like at the end of the day you know, a role model was someone, and I actually Googled it because I, you know, I was really conflicted about, you know, just the terms that are being thrown around, but a role model is a person's behavior, example, or success is to be emulated by others and especially younger people. You know, we, we, you know, you were spot on with the, you know, a lot of things where, or I know Ant said it, parents are responsible for what their children consume. If your child is consuming this thing, these things, and they resonate with it, that's not, that's not the artist's fault. That's the parent's fault if what they're consuming is, you know, detrimental to their being, like that's the parent's fault, you know, point blank, point, you know, point blank period. Like you have the, like you're saying, you have the parental advisory stuff now, like you have all these, you know, checks and balances in place to ensure that this content is consumed by the right, right target audience. Once you put all those checks and balances in place and you push this art out, it's no longer the artist's responsibility to, determine who what the whose hands this art falls into like that's not their responsibility their responsibility is to just produce the art that resonates with them that 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 essentially 
fills their being, makes them feel complete per se. And I feel like that's where I thought this conversation was going to go because I was just more or less going to come out and say like, you know, when I go to the Carson Museum or when I go to, um, you know, um, we were at, I was at a wedding back in October and I was just more or less amazed by the the architecture, the all the art that was on the wall. But as I'm walking down on the, the hallway, I immediately can tell that this building, this place used to be a former slave plantation, just based off of, you know, the setup. And then I'm looking at all the pictures and it's nothing but white men on the wall. And like, even though I can take offense to that, I also look at the same time that like, this art is just portraying what was at that time. Like you can look at this art and you can immediately, you know, attest to what was, what the status quo was at that time. But you can also appreciate it at the same time because there isn't really like, there's no, there's no lying about it. Like you can, you can look at history and you can confirm it based off of what this art was showing you. The same way you can, you know, fast forward to the nineties, like, one thing I love about Nas is like when I listen to Nas, I feel like I'm in his shoes in the nineties. Also prefacing that or, you know, saying at the same time, like I have no desire to live the life that he lived in the nineties, but he is so articulate in what he does in his art that you can literally feel, I don't know if you guys feel that way, but you can literally feel what he felt at the time when you listening to that music. So I feel like, you know, to kind of tie everything in, like, I feel like this, the question is very subjective because it always depends on, you know, what's, what side of the, the pen you're looking at. If you're looking at it from the consumer side or you're looking at it from the artist side, like, you're definitely going to come up with a lot more, uh, you know, you're going to come up with different answers, I guess you could say. Like, some people can, you know, say that it is the artist's responsibility, but I, I don't necessarily feel that way. Like, I feel like the artist is only responsible for doing what makes them feel whole and complete and whoever chooses to consume it, that's their, you know, that's their responsibility to decide how they let it affect them. I'm glad you mentioned another form of art, like physical visual art. And so I was also thinking about film as an art too. And so there's one of the, one of the things to negate the violence argument against, for example, we're talking about rap music earlier is that, there's a fascination that we tend to have as people with deviant things in nature. So that's why movies like Scarface and the Godfather, like the mob culture is so popular among people. Like there's, there's some innate fascination about it. Um, I see this too, that resurfaces from time to time again. And it's like, um, it says uh, me on the way to my nine to five, listening to music about flipping bricks and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't think that that's part and parcel of hip hop music at all. I think that that's something that's, innate to humans because we seem to be fascinated with those kinds of things. It's kind of like the Darth Vader effect. Of, I forget which, uh, which YouTuber came up with that, that, that idea, that concept. It was like when Darth Vader came out, people liked him, even though he was Anakin Skywalker, they liked him so much more than Anakin because he had, he had an edge to him. It was on the darker side. And so I think that that's something that, that reflects something. It says a lot about us as a people, what we tend to gravitate towards, as opposed to saying that this is something that's influencing us. What are you guys' thoughts on? Go ahead, Des. I was gonna say before you switch it, I gotta send you this video because I was watching this uh, Star Wars video yesterday, and it's going to blow your mind how Anakin was actually his path was always to go to the dark side. And before I go any further into it, like just take what I said, like the the um, the content creator essentially is like I'm gonna blow your mind, or I'm gonna completely change your your view of Anakin transforming into Darth Vader. And he literally laid out like 
everything that had happened in Anakin's life, why he was always destined to become Darth Vader versus being, you know, the chosen one. So I'm gonna send it to you after this, but you go ahead. Yeah, don't forget. Write it down. But my question that I wanted to jump into next was I didn't want to restrict this to strictly music. I know that was the the center of most of our conversation here. And that's kind of like what first got my gears turning, but art is more than music. I think that we all know that's kind of like uh, well, you guys know better than anyone else. You guys are creators, visual artists and musicians in, in your case world. But so what are you guys' thoughts on art and life? Like what's the relationship between those two when it as it pertains to other mediums such as film? such as poetry, such as visual art? You first had the question earlier. We um, we talked about it for a second. We didn't talk about it for too long, you know, because we didn't want to, you know, have the same conversation we're having right now. But um, I think it's mostly, at least, like, from my perspective as, like, a visual artist, I think that for the most part that art will imitate life and I think that's the case for a lot of artists that I know too um at least especially for me like when I create a lot of the time I'm inspired by things that I see in my life and like experiences that I have or ideas that I have based on conversations and things like that so my art is imitating what's going on in my life um but I think it varies you know like based off of what kind of art you're talking about because like we were talking about for music a lot of the time like music does influence like the culture or like fashion will influence the culture so then in that way life will imitate art you know like there'll be fashion trends and I mean I see that as being art so yeah I think it's both in a way or like even with like graphic design like if somebody wants me to like do something branding wise you know like they're they're probably gonna want me to pull from like what's already trending in the industry and what's trending is usually like because of an aesthetic that um that's determined by like what everybody's wearing or colors that everybody's like wearing or you know uh, artists that are like influencing like these things so like you look at like right now everybody's wearing like muted colors or nudes or something like that and then you go back like a couple of years and you see that that's probably like something that like Kanye had a hand in you know like like influencing everybody to do go like with this pastel you know like palette and these nudes and you know like very basic colors um and but you can see now that it's kind of like the thing that every brand's doing it's not just the hip-hop thing it's like from high-end to streetwear you know, um, like every brand's doing it right now because it's just like the industry standard now. It's just like the trend right now, you know? So I feel like music does influence some things, but then fashion influences some things and fashion bites from music and music bites from fashion, you know? And I think it goes in one big circle, you know? Uh, I don't I don't think like, and I, I, think, I think life has a huge part to do with it as well, you know? Uh, but I think, life usually like is what comes first in the at the beginning of it life is usually what comes first and life influences like the musician or the or the art and then it just goes in a circle and then that art or music then influences life and then that life influences art or music and then it just keeps on like revolving in this circle 
So yeah, I like what you were saying about the fact that it was very cyclical in nature and how it tended to repeat itself. Um, my great uncle, he used to work at like a high high profile fashion store uh, where they used to fit celebrities for suits. I think Ric Flair and a couple other uh, high profile individuals used to go to back in the day. And one thing that he was saying is like, he could see like over the years, how the same things were they were trending, like you would see them pop up again in the next decade. And it's like, nothing nothing really was being really created new inside of the fashion space like the things you're saying like the muted colors that may have been a thing in, in the in the 70s for example and then it would die down and then it would resurface again and then it dies down and resurfaces yeah 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 i agree i feel like it, it's a circle you know um it, everything just continues to repeat and that repetitive cycle influences the next cycle one of the things I've always felt about art is that art has the ability to illustrate our feelings better for us than sometimes we do even ourselves. Like, I, I think I speak for all of us when you find a song or a poem or something like that, that perfectly speaks to you how you feel in a, in a given situation or at a given time. And if I had asked you to sum it up or ask you, hey, how's everything going? How, how do you feel at this exact moment? And expect an honest answer. You would not have been able to give me one that was that good. Yeah, there's a song I was listening to today. I like, really got to me it's called 41 shut up bro i don't know if you ever heard so it. annoying have you guys heard that song it's i don't no. know where is the dude from like it speaks to the heart or something it's like it's so random like it's literally like this dude i can't remember where he's from but it's literally this dude and he's just counting in the song but it went <laughs> viral like viral it has like millions of plays now it's crazy. Honestly, like she's she's not explaining in the best way because the song touches me. I think, like I mean, I think it's like a good song. Guy's kind of like a role model to me, you know. <laughs> is it is it the Asian guy that yes. counts? Yes. Okay, I know I know who you're talking about. Is this this song right here? Desmond's yeah. already starting to well up in the eyes. <laughs> It was a meme that they had made around like election time and they had him counting like the electoral ballots <laughs> or the, the votes. He would have been a trustworthy guy. We know we know he knows his math. At least simple addition. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Are any of you guys into poetry? Mm, not really. I mean not I really. it's not really a poem. I read um like Doug's cousins. Oh book, yeah. but it, it wasn't really like poems. It was more just like I guess it was poems. I don't know. It was like short little like excerpts, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it was a cool book, but I'm not like super into poetry. I never really like understood it. I don't. Maybe it's like above my like level of like connecting with art, you know. But every, I feel like most poetry that I've read, I I just don't get it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like I can understand the gist most of the time, but it's not. I think I just connect to visual arts more. Like I really feel influenced by like paintings and drawings and videos and um, like fashion and th things that I can see and touch and like really get the whole um, experience. I think there's a, there's a poet by the name of Rudy Francisco. I believe this is his last name. And Dondre put me onto him. He has a book called um, what is it called? Is it a hydrogen? Is after one of the elements? I, mean, I have to look this up. Yeah, maybe I don't like poetry because I just haven't read the right poetry. Yeah, I feel like there's like poetry. Like my friend always talks to me about this 
girl called like Rupi Kapoor or something like that. Yeah, and, girls love her. And, like I'm, I mean, like I've read a couple of her poems, and I can I can see like why like she to a lot of people. Is it Zarya? Hmm? Is it Zarya? No, no, uh, Nate. Oh, I can see why it's Zarya with like poems. That's why I thought it was her. The book by uh, Rudy Francisco is Helium. That's the one that I have, and it's actually kind of, it's kind of similar to like what you were saying about how or the phenomenon of happiness, how like women feel was Ruby Carr, but he's speaking from like a guy's perspective and on certain things and just like certain insecurities that people have. So the idea is helium is one of the most abundant elements. It is the most abundant element in the universe, I think. And what he, what he writes poetry about is things that are common across the human condition that we think are integral to ourselves and that we feel like we are the only ones that experience such as uh, fear, insecurities, the excitement over small things that occur in life, um, things that we overcome. We think that we're the only ones that experience that, but it turns out that everyone experiences those very same things. And I, I think if anyone's into poetry or is looking to get into it, I think that's a brilliant book for you to start. None of the poems are long either. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I just looked it up on my phone so I can save it. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when I was in like, like grade school, my mom bought me a book. Um, because I used to like I, when I first started making artwork, I was like drawing and painting and stuff like that. And I was like making like actual like physical like little sculptures and stuff like that. And uh, um, I, my mom bought me this book, and she said it was kind of like to like write down like thoughts or whatever. And then it becoming like like a little poetry book that I ended up making. Uh, and I would just like I couldn't find a way to like just state how I felt like in a way where it was just like so blunt and blatant. Um, so it just ended up becoming like super metaphorical and stuff. So in a, so in a way, like I, I connected with like poetry earlier on, uh, just because like some of the metaphors of, uh, that described the way you felt and compared them to things that exist in real life. Um, like I related to that cause it was like, it was like, oh, like, I don't know how to say that, but like, I, I get that. Like I get that reference. So like, I know that feeling because when I would write, I would do the same thing because I didn't know how to say it. So I would just like, like make a reference, like connected to something else, you know? So, so that way I could like, when I, when I was, when I would try to uh, get it out, you know, I could get it out in a way that felt grand enough, but also relatable enough. So whenever I read people's poetry, as long as it feels relatable to whatever the metaphor is that they're, that they're like, if it, if it is like metaphors, you know, sometimes it's not, um, but as long as it feels relatable to me, that's the big thing. It just has to feel relatable to me. Cause I know like earlier on when I got, got into poetry, I couldn't relate to a lot of the things that people said because sometimes it just didn't feel relatable. Like yeah, I could, all the poetry that they give you in school is always like fucking old people like writing about shit that you don't understand. Yeah. Like, duels at midnight and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. What, what, like, I don't even know what these people are talking about or like they're talking about like riding their wagon into town and shit like that like I don't understand what that's you know what I'm saying I don't know I think yeah I think I don't know I don't know anybody who I mean that I know of that like their art form is like words or poetry I don't know a lot of people like that like I know one person who's who's an author my friend is here she's pointing at herself she said it's her <laughs> I never knew I know her since like first grade now all of a sudden really that's crazy yeah so I don't know like I feel like that's super, not super common like for people to create that way but it is interesting though no quite a few though um 
for example, Dondre and Leon, who are both frequent guests here on the podcast uh, and friends of mine, both of them have written poetry. And then, Rome, to your point about like writing, and I kind of suspected as much that you have more, much more of an inclination towards poetry than Tanner would, because the fact that you you rap, you you're a musician, and so I feel like rap and poetry are almost inseparable. They're one and the same. I think that was made very evident by, in tenth grade, we had a, a class that we started for the first time ever by my English teacher. It was hip hop verse and poetry, and so we would listen to music and dissect it, and then we would also like write our own rhymes in class. And it was one of the dopest classes I've ever took. And um, we actually, we had one of the books we actually went over was Tupac's Book of uh, Poetry. I don't know if you guys know he actually had one. It's the Rose Group from Concrete. Wow. That was, we did a whole section on that. And it was just, it was really eye-opening. I felt like once I started, like in the class, when we, when we switch gears and start to focus on writing poetry, my rhymes would get better because it got me to see things from a different lens and get more inspired by other things. Because like, if you look at poetry, for example, it's it's very there's a certain pattern to it and very much so the same way as music is but like the metaphors I feel like my metaphors got better because it wasn't as cutting dry it wasn't just saying things and being literal either and it forced me to expand my vocabulary a lot too because it was it was a class taught by an English teacher like what did you expect of course it's going to be stuff that that pushes the boundaries and makes you think and step out of your your comfort zone a little bit yeah and I feel like like when you're surrounded by poetry and other people making poetry it pushes you to be more creative as well because mm -hmm. you see like you know like everything else that's that's being presented in front of you and i feel like you feed off of that creative energy you know the same way that you joshua and desmond feed off of each other like in a in a podcast because like somebody says something you feed off of that like it like that energy just goes I feel like the same thing goes creatively, creatively, you know, like, like maybe like within your example, like people, like your peers probably like had some sort of influence in the content that you guys were like studying probably had some sort of influence on making you like feel the need to like broaden your vocabulary or like be more creative within the metaphors you were, you were using. For sure. And like what you were just saying about the people that you're around and, and then how I guess that pushes you a little bit is I, I know that you guys are fairly connected within the art community yourself right here. Like we were talking a little bit before the podcast about the art shows. And I know that there was like tons of people and like, I, I think I ran into to Matthew Pierce and I didn't know that he was going to be at the show. Cause I came to see like you guys and it was like, he was there too. And then it was like your friend rain. And then it was, like, there was all these other people. And it's like the, the art community in the Hampton Roads area, it was like in Norfolk and like the, the, the ODU centric art community. It's like, we're pretty tight knit. And so like you guys all drive and, strive and, and push each other and kind of like not not in the sense of directly like you're not stealing from each other but you like you guys are almost it's it's a very close-knit community and you guys are and definitely inspired yeah I, I think I think that's just the best way to put it definitely like especially like when you can have a good like method of communication like from artist to artist you know like it's really cool when I see my friends like posting their new art or like going really hard like with their art that just makes me want to like go just as hard and it's cool because a lot of the people in this community like in this area are really open about sharing like their processes and things like that like mm -hmm. I, I can't even remember what I hit him up about but Rain had posted something really cool that he made like some kind of something that he made and I just hit him up and I was like you know like how did you do this like what what um what was your process like in doing this this is really cool and interesting 
and he just like let me know you know and like I've had people hit me up and be like oh where do you what website do you use to make your t-shirts or what kind of paint do you use or how do you do this or whatever and like I just let them know you know because like I think that's how the community gets stronger you know I think what I was trying to say earlier is there's a definite sense of camaraderie like, I really do like that and you kind of what you were just saying about that is like you asked him how, what was his technique for that particular piece of uh, work that he had put together and there was no hesitation about it yeah ever there's there never is and like that's a weird thing with with artists sometimes is like people really want to keep that kind of thing exclusive but and I understand why to to an extent but like to me I know that me as an artist like what makes my art valuable and unique is like the creativity that I put into it like it doesn't matter if people know exactly how I did it because they'll never make the same thing so who cares you know like I'm I'm always open to helping other artists out because it's hard to find out like especially small stuff like that like as far as sourcing like distributors for like clothing and like picking your correct mediums and all that like why not just save somebody the time you know yeah, I mean, and even look at some of the bigger examples of art, like Pablo Picasso, he wasn't the only person painting in a Cubist style. Like that was something that other people did as well. He was the most notorious of them. He was probably the one who executed the best if you ask like art historians or, or anybody in art academia, but he for sure was not the only person painting in that style. Even to this day, some people still do it. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you guys wanna add? No, I think I've addressed all the points that, actually I did. When I was speaking about R&B music, I hate to loop all the way back, but I, I kind of glossed over this. I'm not certain why I did, but about the R&B music and, and how music reflects um, life. And so I was thinking about how the music we listen to, it reflects the toxic relationships. And two songs in particular, there's uh, Trey Song's Back Home. And so I'm gonna pull the lyrics up and put them on the screen for you guys real quick. And it's this particular section. Where like the pre-chorus here, he's talking about cussing her out, hitting the side bitch, and then denying it. And then he's saying that if it's not love, why does he keep coming back? And it's like, yo, that's some toxic stuff. And then so it's another song too, Pussy Fairy by Janae Aiko. And so she said, like the, the concept, once I heard this line, I thought about this and I was like, nah. <laughs> she said, fuck all your free time. You don't need no me time. And it was just like, some people actually think like that. And I don't think that this is this is giving them um, validation for that, but this is actually some some people's mentality towards um, relationships. I think R and B music that's something that we gloss over a lot of times when we talk about the art reflecting life and life reflecting art discussion, as we did earlier. But I, I did think about that as I was preparing for this discussion. I think I think it's funny that you put up lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I was prepared because I don't know if you guys have heard the song before, and I'm not saying I'm not going to play it for you. I haven't heard the Trey Songs, uh, the Trey Songs one, but I heard the uh, Janae Aiko one. Um, I feel like that's direct correlation to what I was saying about violence, about people thinking the same way. <laughs> but in this way, she talk about toxic relationships. I feel that's this kind of goes hand to hand, really. I don't, you don't even think know. so. No, nah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't even know. Like you said, you said that it it influences the toxic relationships. I feel like the people who are already doing it, that's that's it may serve as validation for them. I don't think it it influences nah, okay. people to start. I mean, it, it possibly could. That's what I, I don't know, but that's where like I was people, looking for validation. That's the word I was looking for. I was gonna say I don't think it influences them. I think you know people that are doing that type of shit in relationship. That's just their <laughs> their character. But 
right? To say that, you know, I definitely think is it it could help validate their actions, which, you know, I mean, teach your own. But I really you think, know. but they've also, like, people have been begging for, for women to take them back after cheating on the R&B songs forever. Like, that, that, is, that concept in itself isn't new. But in this, this particular take, like, I guess how Janae Aiko, she was more upfront in, like, the way she presented it. It was very literal. Um, I think that's more of a new school thing. But what I was saying is, like, I really, just what I was able to deduce from this is I don't think that this is art influencing life. I think this is life influencing art. And she may not even think that way. Trey Songz may not even think that way. But I think that those are real things that people really experience. And those are, those are things that certain people can relate to. And so what people gravitate towards certain art forms, certain mediums, such as music. Like I like music that I can relate to them in one facet or another. And so if it's something that you've actually lived, like it, it resonates with you a lot better. And you're able to, you probably appreciate the artwork a little bit more. Okay. I, I can agree with I, that. Yeah, I was gonna say I agree with that too. What about you guys, uh, Tanner and Rome? I think I agree with that. That like your perspective will be different based on how you relate to the art, you know? Because like you said, like even the artists who created it, they might not even agree with how you interpret it. But like, that's just one of the things about art, though. I think like so much of it is just open to interpretation. Like with R&B in particular, I feel like because a lot of times they have writing credits. Like you have, you may have 13 people helping to write a song and it may or may not describe what the artists themselves have lived and experienced. And I think with, with rap, it's a little bit different because there's, there's like an implied uh, belief that we think that the person is living that like they're rapping for themselves, but also people do have ghostwriters Like we've talked about that before. Yeah. So it's not always uh, an exact reflection of the life that that person has lived, but it's kind of implied. But with R with R and B, there isn't that implication. Who was that kid that was on the um the Genius interview? One of the super young. Oh, like, little Tucker. Yeah, yeah. And they were going through his lyrics, and they, he was like talking about like pull up in a Lambo and a Ferrari, and then it cuts in, and he was like, I don't even know how to drive. And then he was talking about, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I've never been to France. Like every single line was just like not his life whatsoever. That was so funny. Yeah. They fact check my man on the spot. <laughs> Good God. It was so funny. I can't even remember. He was like, just every single line. He was just like, yeah, I, didn't, I don't do that. Yeah, I actually don't do that. I don't even know how to drive. <laughs> it was crazy. I think that's kind of like what Ice Cube was getting at too. In that specific example, it's a little bit more so of the fictional side, the, the storytelling, or just, just braggadocio, whatever whatever the, the, the motivation behind it. But it wasn't him being... Uh, uh, given a factual account of, of any kind. Which are elements of both in, in the entirety of the hip hop catalog, rap catalog. Would you say what he did was life reflected in art? Like him lying about how he actually raps? It, that's, that's a good question. That's a really good question. It certainly wasn't his life. Um, it's imitation. Yeah, like imitation. Yeah, well, no, no. I'm just saying, like that shit is just imitation. Like it's fraudulent. I don't even. You can't even consider that shit art. I think yeah. There's there's a distinction of what is art and what isn't, and I haven't been able to nail it down and come up with a concise um, definition or criteria for that. But I, I kind of is it not art for somebody else though? I mean, the one reason I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to accept Dez's uh, argument on that is because what if it does have like the, the rhyme scheme, the pattern, the way that he's uh, 
the way he curated his lyrics for the for that particular song is that not artwork within itself even though it is fraudulent like is there not elements of art to it and if he had ghost i mean i mean look look, look. if it, if it makes him if it makes him feel complete and whole and he he is able to achieve you know stillness with himself by by putting that you know that out then you know by all means it's art but from my like i said like i said you know before i even you know gave my prior uh statement like it's all subjective it's like how you feel about it and i feel that it's not art so you know if you want to be if you want to be um you know objective by all means you know we can we can classify it as art but me being subjective i don't classify it as art to be clear, I wasn't I wasn't defending him because I was a fan of his work or anything like that. No, no, it's no. Just, it's just that, a genuine yeah, question to be posed. That's what well, that's why I said objective. Like if you want to start talking about like, yeah, you know, he understands beat patterns, he understands, you know, how to, you know, essentially create a song to make it art, then you know, we can by all means, you know, you know, say it's art. But I wasn't saying like, you know, I wasn't coming at you as if you're like defending them. Like I was more or less just saying that, you know, if we want to be subjective about it, then, you know, yes, technically it's art. But I mean, if you want to be objective, objective. about it, then yes, technically it's art. But, you know, me just being subjective with it, like how I feel about it, I don't feel it's art. Like, you know, Gucci said, you know, put, they said, damn, put his ass in the dirt. And he actually did it. Like me, like, you know, nah, I'm playing. <laughs> nah, I'm playing, you know. I don't, con- I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, uh, I don't condone violence up here. And my mom's watching. I, don't, I have no idea who Gucci is or what he's talking about when he said that. <laughs> Did you have any thoughts on that, uh, Rome? You man? Did you have any thoughts on that, on the fraudulence or whether or not there's art? Uh, I mean, like. Are you are you wanting me to defend Ice Cube as well, or? No, I'm not asking you to defend it. I'm just curious about your thoughts because I mean, I I see what you're getting at too. Is like the idea of he was saying that not everything is to be taken literally because I mean that's the nature of rap. It's it's laid with metaphors. For example, like for you to say something, it could be a hyperbole, and for you to take it literally it would be foolish. Like in the interview forms, for example, they had asked um the interviewer should ask him if um are you saying that it would be foolish for people to do what you say in your music, everything you said in your music. And the obvious answer, he was like, yes. So I, I think that's that's pretty much self-evident, but a lot of people don't grant hip hop or rap music itself that that kind of grace. Like from an outside perspective. I don't think they do, but I mean like I think with hip hop, it's the same thing with any other genre. You have like main writer, you have ghost writers. You know, sometimes the producer probably even throws in like, yo, bro, it would sound dope if you said this or like, yo, you should da 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 da. So it's like, like they were, the artist relates to it in a certain extent, but at the same time, like going back to the sports, like they're expected, like the labels investing in them a certain amount of money. They're expected to do a certain amount of money, sell a certain amount of copies, you know, be like, be a certain type of celebrity. So they're like making these songs for them to be hits, you know? Um, so they're gonna, uh, they're gonna say and do things in their music that they feel like is gonna sell, you know? And uh, I, don't, I don't think that we should take it literal, like it's meant to be entertainment. Um, and although that, that entertainment influences people, some people, it's not meant to do that. It's just meant to entertain, you know? So uh, rapping is like wrestling? Yeah, the, 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 the wrestling, wrestling is real, Josh. 
All right, rapping is not real. Okay, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to add? I'm good on my end. No. All right. Yeah, you got an album of the week, Des, or book of the week? Yeah, yeah. My, nah, my album of the week is actually influenced because I seen them in the barbershop yesterday. But it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a uh, Pusha T, King Push, Darkest Before Dawn, The Prelude. All right. Cool. All right, you guys check it out. If you guys like the discussion, don't forget to hit the like button. And we're gonna see you guys next week. Peace.